Kyle, I've got the solution to our dreary, dreary evenings. We can um, we can we can pop a little magic mind and Ooh. get a little pick me up and and still still go to sleep just enough to give us some some clarity of mind, uh, a, a little creativity, get the creative juices flowing. Maybe give you one or two before the podcast, you know, <laughs> to really focus you in. Uh, you you fall asleep during one podcast and all of a sudden that's your problem. Uh-huh. But yeah, absolutely. The worst thing you want to do is, you know, brew a pot of coffee at middle of the night right before a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Then you're up the entire evening. What you need is good, sustained energy, clarity of mind, not, you know, a jolt of caffeine that hurts yeah. your body and all these things. Absolutely. And uh, Magic Mind uh, does all that stuff and has that. Uh, okay. Matcha. I want to talk about matcha, Drew. Okay. All right. The the green vegetable matcha, that 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 buzzword, that superfood. I didn't think I'd like matcha. I uh-huh. am starting to like matcha, and that's one of the big key ingredients here is that that uh that lovely green superfood that has the benefits of all the uh, uh keeping you going. Yeah. And it uh yeah it it's cool stuff. It, it's pricey. Uh, mm-hmm. Matcha is. But they stick it in this uh, with with some great other ingredients, all natural stuff. Um, so, but you you can get it through us with our code. So we want you to check out this Magic Mind elixir. Check this out. It is go to MagicMind.co/slash/comicsfunprofit. And elixir really is the perfect word for it. It's a nice little elixir. It's very yes. cool. For sure. If you feel you want to try this out, go to magicmind.co slash comicsfunprofit and use our code. You can get um, 20% off uh, of an initial one-time purchase or up to 56% off of a subscription. So if this sounds good to you, go to magicmind.co slash comicsfunprofit and use our code CFP. You can get up to 50%, 56% off your subscription for the next 10 days with the code CFP. Or you can just use that discount code CFP at magicmind.co slash comicsfunprofit to get 20% off a one-time purchase. Just to sample, dip your toe, check it out. Aloha, it's Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing author... Gamal Hennessy. He is here to promote his latest Kickstarter, The Business of Freelance Comic Book Publishing. Now, this campaign is live and will end on October 19th. Excuse me. He has already reached his goal of um, his, um, he has already reached the goal of $5,000 in the first week of his Kickstarter campaign. As of today, September 19th, his, um, he's, it is right now it's at $6,376 and that's great. That's great that you're able to, to you know, to basically fulfill the, the, um, the goal part already. That is great. Gamal, welcome to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. It's a Tuesday and here in New York, the day is almost over. So things are going fine. All right. Now, Listeners, I'm just going to give a little bit of um, Gamal's um, work history. Um, he is an entertainment trans- transaction attorney and business in the comic book industry. He's been doing this for the last 25 years. He has worked for an anime company, Central Park Media, as a general um, general counsel. He has worked for Marvel Com- uh, Marvel Comics, and he was running their international um, licensing program. Now, if I remember correctly, Gamal... Um, that was back in the early 2000s. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that was back when um, Tobey Maguire only had one Spider-Man movie. That's <laughs> the way I help people realize how far <laughs> away. All right. And then he also um, had another Kickstarter um, a few years ago. He wrote the, um, he and that Kickstarter. It was he wrote the book, The Business of Independent Comic Book Publishing. And that was a very successful kickstarter campaign i backed that um campaign i have a copy of my book it's great i i you know um it's it's very we'll talk lit we'll talk some we'll talk lit we'll touch upon that a little bit you know during the interview um but the pray now there was some of the praise praises for the business of independent comic book publishing 
One of the um, comments was a comprehensive overview of the business of comic book publishing to help those interested avoid pitfalls and get a leg up in breaking in whether you're making comics or publishing them. And that was that quote was from AIPT. Gamal, would you like to add anything to this? Um, do you, you want the listeners to know where else they can, uh, any other books that you have written or anything else? Well, I actually did about five or six novels that I wrote between 2015, 2012 and 2015. Okay. Um, they didn't sell like Harry Potter or anything. So it's not like they're really popular. Mm -hmm. um, but if people want to find me, if they need um, I do free consultations for anyone who needs to maybe figure out if they need legal representation mm -hmm. for their comic book projects. And it doesn't matter whether it's freelance or independent or creator-owned or anything like that. You can just go to my website. It is Creative Contract Consulting. That's all one word. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to find me on social media, Gamal Hennessy is a fairly unique name. You're not going to find many people named Gamal Hennessy. So if you just type me into Google, you will find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, I'm not calling it X. It's Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I also run a school uh, yes. with an associate of mine called Comics Connection. And what we do in Comics Connection is we provide a community for people who want to build successful business models for their comics yes. so we have a few hundred people that meet um we meet on discord on a consistent basis we have live classes that mm -hmm. teach people different aspects of the business we bring in experts to talk about different aspects of the business so whatever it is you want to do whatever it is you'd like to accomplish we kind of give you the tools and the support that you need to get to where you want to be and if you join Comics Connection at this point, you get a copy of the business of independent comic book publishing for free. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then correct me if I'm wrong. Um, during your interview with um, John Sanchez on Word Balloon and listeners, if you guys get a chance, let me, um, that was um, John interviewed Gamal back on August 31st, 2023. It's titled Creating Comics with Lawyer Gamal Hennessy. Correct me if I'm wrong, because you also it, you you have um, is the class like a YouTube um podcast or is that something different? No, well we have a podcast called the Comics Connection Podcast, where my um the gentleman who runs Comics Connection with me, Andy Schmidt, who mm -hmm. is an editor, a writer, and a publisher who's worked for a lot of different companies, also for probably about twenty five years, mm -hmm. we actually talk about the issues in the comic book industry. Uh, every two weeks. So as new things come up and as people need to understand how the recent comic book news impacts their comic book careers and what they're doing, mm -hmm. we actually talk about that on our YouTube channel and that's free. But the other classes that mm -hmm. I'm talking about are for members only. And yes. you have to join Comics Connection to see all of those other um, classes that we do. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Um, before we jump right before we jump in, I just want to give a big shout out to David Hyde and Hannah Bahedri of Superfan Promotions. Hannah, thank you very much for setting up this interview. Gamal, do you want to add anything to that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Superfan and David has actually been very instrumental in the success of both the books that I've done because mm -hmm. he his company is uniquely positioned to actually take a book like this, which is a very specific book for a very specific group of people, yes. and bring it to the widest audience possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have fairly consistent kind of interactions with the professional comic book community, mm -hmm. and I have since, I guess, 2012, but that's nothing compared to the kind of exposure to specifically the right people that David and Hannah bring to the situation. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, all right. Now, I want to start off. I just want to get. I want to get your origin story, your comic book origin story, because I, you know, it's like, what was the first comic book or your or a comic book series that you've read? Okay, the first comic book that I actually remember. Mm -hmm. 
was probably a Neil Adams Batman, and I think it was Return of the Joker. That was probably back when I was five or six. Yeah. And that comic book, if you read it now, probably not a comic book that five or six year olds should be reading, but that's <laughs> I that's what I read. And I think that was my introduction into comics, but I didn't buy that comic. Someone mm -hmm. randomly gave me that comic. Mm -hmm. Didn't actually start reading comics on my own and going out to look for them until I want to say it was X Men 159, which wow. is probably literally the worst place to start reading X Men comics. Yes. Because <laughs> it was a story when I read it about Charles Xavier uh -huh. and Magneto. He wasn't Magneto in the comic. Uh -huh. In the 1950s, fighting Hydra in like Morocco. Uh huh. Now, if you read that issue and you've never read X Men before, you're like, okay, well, then X Men is basically these two guys yeah. in the 1950s. It's like a, I thought it was like a Indiana Jones superhero thing. Yes. Right? And then the next issue, you had a whole different group of people and they were in space and a bomb blew them up. And you know, I was very, very confused. However, I started to buy all the issues after that. Mm -hmm. And I had to go back and buy all the back issues. People nowadays don't really understand the the concept of back issues because everything is digital and you can get anything anywhere. Yes. Uh, and there's omnibuses and there's all this. Other yeah. Thing. So they don't understand back issues. But those were the two first, I guess, mainstream American mm -hmm. comics that I read. And I didn't start reading independent comics until a couple years later when comic book shops first started to pop up in the mm -hmm. United States to a very wide degree. And I that's when I discovered like ElfQuest and mm -hmm. Grendel and Alien Legion. Alien oh Legion. my God, yes. I bought... In my first Alien Legion, when I went to my first comic book convention, which I believe was in 1980, mm -hmm. um, it was Alien Legion number one. And yes. that was the point I realized that I had never read a comic book that would translate so seamlessly into a film. Mm -hmm. And years later, like the, for the past three or four years, at various conventions, like in Austin and mm -hmm. in um in Connecticut and places like that. I see Carl Potts. And yes. we talk about Alien Legion all the time. I have mm -hmm. like several um every time I see him, I buy more of his prints. I buy some of his like out of print like graphic novels. Yes. And we always talk about the fact that Alien Legion, I'm still waiting for the Alien Legion read. Yes. Animated or live action. I don't mm -hmm. care. So yeah, that's where I started reading comics. All right. Sorry, off the cuff I just Real quickly, before we jump into um your latest book, oh my God, you have Alien Legion number one. Oh my God, I I never got the first issue. I got issue number three. Ooh, okay. Well, I have the thing is, this is another thing that people probably don't realize about comic books. If you started reading comics in the last ten years, a lot of us had extensive collections of comic books. That once we went to college or once we moved mm -hmm. where we were moving to, you lose things. Mm -hmm. There's there's whole crates of comics that are they're gone now. I don't know where they are. I'm pretty sure I still have Alien Legion number one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bagged and boarded. Yeah. I got the I got the trade up here. It's fine. I don't really worry about it. So listeners, um, before I really start talking about the business of freelance comic book publishing. Um, this is, an, it's obvious it's an audio podcast. Oh my God, Gamal's shelf in the back behind <laughs> him is great. He's got these Funko Pops. He's got the Taskmaster, the Taskmaster from the comic book Funko Pop behind him. Um, you know, oh my, it's, this man is a comic book fan. All right. <laughs> we're gonna let's just i'm gonna jump right in okay we're gonna start talking about the business of freelance comic book publishing um listeners i'm gonna be honest to you i'm just a comic book fan i do not know you know about too much about the comic book industry so 
And I already gave Gamal a heads up that I'm going to be asking a lot of stupid questions. Um, you know, the focus of this interview is, of course, one is to promote the Kickstarter campaign. But also, too, I, my hope is that I'm just hoping that, you know, that whoever is listening out there, that, you know, some people, you know, like either someone in their teens or going to college that loves comics and dream about working in the comic book industry. My hope is that this interview will provide information on how the industry works while maintaining that dream. And, you know, and, you know, Gamal has already written, you know, the business of the independent comic book publishing. Now we're going to be talking about the business of freelance comic book publishing. So, Gamal, I'm just going to ask you, you know, can you just go over just a quick history of the career life of a comic book creator back in the 30s to the 70s, maybe to the 80s? I mean, you know, yeah. we all, you know, you had a in the you have to keep in mind that the situation in from 19, let's say 1939, because that's mm -hmm. when super the first issue of Superman or Action Comics was printed all the way up until after World War II, mm -hmm. we had a situation where comic books actually replaced pulp stories. And pulp stories were called pulp stories because they were short stories that were, they had very little um, images mm -hmm. and they were written on very cheap paper. It's pulp paper, that's where mm -hmm. you get stories from. And when the people who were doing comics then now you're talking about Will Eisner mm -hmm. and all the people of that generation. The vast majority of them did not, they saw comic books or comic strips or whatever they were working on as a way to make money that they were not necessarily proud of. Mm -hmm. It's not like the situation that you have today mm -hmm. where you have superstar comic creators and mm -hmm. comic creators trying to get like a movie deal mm -hmm. and you know people you know really pushing the characters that they created mm -hmm. a lot of them if you ask them during the day or you ask them at a dinner party what it is that you do for a living they would not say that they were a comic book creator mm -hmm. they would they would say that they were an illustrator they would say that they were a magazine writer they would say mm -hmm. all sorts of things so the people who laid the foundation of comic books were not necessarily proud of the job that they had mm -hmm. so the dynamic was very different and the amount of sales mm -hmm. were astronomically high mm -hmm. because people who were reading comics and it was not in the 1930s 1940s 1950s it was not just Kids reading comics, kids was not, I mean, comics was not a small niche industry. They were selling tens of millions of comic books every single year because, mm -hmm. number one, there wasn't a really a whole lot of competition of other things that people could go out and do with their free time. Yes. No internet. There were no video games. Te there was no television for a large part of this span of time. So yes. there was comic books, there were books, and there's radio. Mm -hmm. People gravitated to comics because the second reason was there was a huge diversity in the types of comics being made. Mm -hmm. There were horror comics and war comics and mm -hmm. romance comics and superhero comics and crime comics and everything else. Up until, you want, I want to say, the mid-1960s. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, you had a book came out with a strong movement to kind of suppress or attempt to eliminate comics from the land, the yeah. landscape mm -hmm. completely with Seduction of the Innocent, mm -hmm. which was a book that basically the premise of the book is that when kids read comics, mm -hmm. comics promoted crime, juvenile democracy, mm -hmm. homosexuality, mm -hmm. communism, and like a lot of other things. Now, that book very quickly was um, rejected as completely false based on the way the book was um, put together. Mm -hmm. But the damage had already been done. And you, the comic book industry, in order to save itself, did two things. One, a lot of the diversity in comics went away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the old horror comics and romance comics and war comics, everything mm -hmm. else 
they all went away because the comic book industry in the United States adopted something called the Comics Code. Mm-hmm. The Comics Code basically stunted the creative growth of comics. Mm-hmm. And the only the best way that I can describe it is if you imagine that when television came out in the 50s, that every television show had to be acceptable to watch for an eight-year-old. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which means over the years decades could go by and you don't have like any the things like the sopranos or sex mm-hmm. in the city or the development of chinatown casablanca mm-hmm. complex narratives that were growing in other media did not were not allowed to grow in comics until i want to say the 70s or the 80s yes. that's when underground comics came in and completely rejected the comics mm-hmm. Mainstream comics didn't start to reject the comics code till like the 90s when Image Comics came around. Mm -hmm. And then Marvel and DC threw out the comics code in the early 2000s. But by that point, you had a shift. Comic books were largely seen as purely for um, children Mm -hmm. because it was almost exclusively in the United States, superhero comics. Whereas in Europe, South America, Asia the growth of the comic book medium was mirrored television and film. So you, because that diversity was still there and because that, um, that access was still there and there wasn't that repressive kind of rule mm-hmm. had a large diversity in the United States. However, superheroes became like the dominant theme. Yes. And because there's always been a lot of crossover between comics and other media mm-hmm. in the 30s 40s it was radio shows yes and that's right fan clubs and things like that mm-hmm. and in the 80s and 90s you had uh animated shows spider-man mm-hmm. yeah. friends x-men mm-hmm. all that kind of great stuff mm-hmm. at that point you had a shift and a new generation of comic book creators mm-hmm. would they they loved they wanted to work in comics because they love comics. Yes. It wasn't comics as a job. It's like no, I've always loved comics. The Chris Claremonts, the John Burns, the Frank mm-hmm. Miller, all of those people, the um, the the professional enthusiasts mm-hmm. came in and they actually brought comics to a place that in the modern era they sold more comics than anybody else. I mean X Men. Number one from Jim Lee and Chris Claremont is still the top, you yes. know, single issue comic in the mm-hmm. United States, I think, of all time. Yeah. Now you're in a you're in this era where with the growth of a high speed internet, mm-hmm. people all throughout the the eras that I was talking about before, from the 30s all yeah. the way to like 2010, mm-hmm. if you wanted to be in comics, you either had to work for a mainstream company. Yes. Or you had to make underground comics, which was a very complex and um, not necessarily financially fulfilling situation. Mm -hmm. Once you had 2000, from 2000, I want to say 13 to now, Mm -hmm. you have a situation where the barrier to actually start your own comic book company is extremely low. Mm -hmm. If you want to actually put start making comics today and put the comics on webtoons tomorrow mm-hmm. there's nothing stopping mm-hmm. if yeah. you wanted to start a comic book company and start producing comics and printing comics and mm-hmm. shipping comics you can do that right now mm-hmm. uh, because all of the tools all of the mechanisms that you that would be very hard to do in the 80s 90s and yeah. 2000s extremely easy now yeah mm-hmm. if you understand how to use the tools. Yes. Which is why I actually wrote the book that I wrote, The Business of Independent Comic Book Publishing, mm-hmm. because if you look anywhere, any bookstore or on Amazon, for books about making comics, mm-hmm. are a huge number of great books about the arts of making comics. Yes. Writing comics. Yes. Drawing comics, lettering, mm-hmm. all these kind of things. If, if you want, like, the theoretical analytics of how comic books are structured. You go to mm-hmm. Scott Cloud and to all of these other people. But if you're looking for a book specifically about the step 
step-by-step business process, mm-hmm. how to make a comic book company, that book didn't exist before the business of independent comic book publishing. Yes. And a lot of people now, I think that's why the initial Kickstarter was we hit 600% of our funding goal because mm-hmm. so many people felt the need for that book. Yes. Mm-hmm. But after I put that book out, I already knew that there's different ways to actually produce comics. Making comics as an independent publisher is a very specific business and legal process. Mm-hmm. When you want to be a professional freelance comic book creator, yes. you have different <clears throat> business goals. You have different financial realities. Mm-hmm. It's a different process that you have to go through in order to be successful at that job. So I wrote the business of freelance comic book publishing to complement, well, not to complement the first book, but to help all of those people who really want to work and work with other people's characters, work for other companies so that you understand what it means to be a professional in that industry, what you have to do to actually establish yourself in the industry, Mm -hmm. how you go about finding the right clients to work for, how you go about making sure you get paid for the work that you do. Yes. And mm-hmm. how you go about finishing the work in such a way that leads you to getting more work in the future. Now, Gamal, I'm going to take a step back. And I'm sorry, this is going to sound a very dumb question because just for the listeners, like, what is it like a clear definition of a like a freelancer in the comic book industry? Okay. First, your question is not dumb. It is simply uninformed, and the vast majority of people aren't uninformed about this, so it's not a dumb question. The definition of a freelance comic book creator is someone who produces comics for someone else mm-hmm. and own what it is that they produce. Mm-hmm. Because under standard intellectual property law in the United States, if you make something like a comic book, mm-hmm. you own that comic mm-hmm. you characters you own the story mm-hmm. you, but there's an exception to that rule it is called the work for hire rule mm-hmm. under the work for hire rule if someone pays you and tells you to make a comic yes you then give the intellectual property ownership of that comic to the person who paid you mm. this way you get paid for the work that you did no matter what happens to the comic Mm-hmm. So let's say you hire me to write a comic book. Mm-hmm. I write the comic, you pay me. I now don't have to worry about what happens with your comic. If mm-hmm. you don't release the comic, that's fine because I already got paid. Yeah. If the comic gets released and it doesn't sell well, that's fine because mm-hmm. I already got paid. And that is the upside of being a freelance creator because A Mm -hmm. lot of comics, the majority of comic books do not necessarily turn a profit, especially when they first are released. And even the ones that do make a profit, that profit could come years after the book is released. Mm -hmm. So if I'm waiting because I wrote this comic and I, you know, I need to pay my mortgage and I need to eat, Mm -hmm. I can't necessarily wait three years for the money to come in for the comic especially when I know there may not be any money for the comic. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather get paid up front. Yes. That's the benefit. The downside is if I write a comic for you mm-hmm. and then that comic becomes a Netflix series or mm-hmm. a PSI video game or something like that, I don't get any of that money because mm-hmm. I sold the rights to you. Mm-hmm. You took the risk that this was going to turn into something profitable later on mm-hmm. gave me money mm-hmm. now i the only thing i can do now if you turn that story that i wrote into a tv series i can probably tell people hey i wrote that comic uh-huh. turn it into a tv series which will hopefully get me more work yes i don't own that story because i gave that in that ownership to you mm-hmm. now the other thing i wanted to ask about freelancers is that when I when we were talking about freelancers, I'm just thinking of only writers and artists. But are colorists, letters, even marketing people or editors are could they also be freelancers as well too? There's there's about I we list this out in the book, but there's two categories of 
people who work in comics. There's people who work on the creative side mm -hmm. and people who work on the business side. And in many cases, it's comics is very similar to movies in that people usually know, when you talk about a movie, people usually know who the lead actor is, yes. the lead actress, mm -hmm. and they a lot of times they know the director. Mm -hmm. They don't know the second cameraman. They don't know the electrician. Yeah. They don't know those people. That's fine. They just see them scroll past, you know, at the end of mm -hmm. the movie when they're waiting for the after credit scene for a Marvel movie. Yes. Okay. Comics is very similar in that there's a lot of people behind the scenes that make a comic book, you know, that make it available to be released. There's a production designer. Mm -hmm. There's the flatter there's the mm -hmm. marketing person, the web designer, mm -hmm. the print manager. There's mm -hmm. a, there's about 19 to 20 people in a full team to actually mm -hmm. put a comic book. Each one of those jobs could be done by a freelancer, depending mm -hmm. on the type of company that you work for. So if you are a freelancer for, let's say, Marvel, you're mm -hmm. probably not going to be doing their print management mm -hmm. because they have a print manager in-house. Mm -hmm. But there's emerging comic book publishers that don't have a print manner. Yes. And you might be able to do that for them. Mm -hmm. Might be if you're working for someone like Marvel, they may bring you in as a just an inker. Mm -hmm. But for other companies, you may be writing their advertising copy. You may be handling mm -hmm. their promotions. Mm -hmm. They may hire you to stand behind a booth at a convention. Mm -hmm. There's quite a few other jobs. And each one of them can be done by a freelancer as long as you understand as a freelancer, you're not going to own what it is that's being produced. You are you should be getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. up front. But like I said, if it turns into, you know, a lot of fun codes, you yeah. don't get paid. Okay. All right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the income. Like, do you have like an idea what the average income for a a freelance comic book creator makes compared to someone, let's say from Marvel, who's working, I, I you know, who has a, who has a, who's a full-timer at Marvel. I, I don't even know if they have, you know, something compared to that. Well, the, I don't know the full-time salary of Marvel employees on the creative or business side, mm -hmm. but I believe in my research and I don't remember this number off the top of no, my no, head. No. But I think the average income for a comic book creator who is able to work full time is anywhere between thirty six and forty thousand. Mm -hmm. Now, you have to actually keep in mind two things. One, comic books is a geographically dispersed medium, mm -hmm. which means it's not like making a TV show or making a movie where mm -hmm. in those cases, Everybody who works on the show or most of the people who work on the show have to be in the same place, mm -hmm. which means mm -hmm. they have to share the same, they have the same cost of living. Mm -hmm. Comic books, like if you hire me to be the writer, you're in Hawaii, I'm in New York. Yeah. Your artist could be in Indonesia, your colorist could be in Ireland. Mm -hmm. You can all work on the same book. Each person has a different standard of living, which means that 36 to 40 may go a lot farther in new guinea mm -hmm. that is do it new york yes the second thing you have to keep in mind is that if you're working freelance you do not necessarily have a steady income mm -hmm. your income is based on how many gigs you can get in any given period of time and how long those gigs last mm -hmm. if i if you hire me to write a comic and i write that comic and you pay me that's great mm -hmm. But unless I have three or four other gigs that month that are paying about the same, depending on how much you're paying me per page, it's still going to be difficult for me to actually make a living. Mm -hmm. The key is you have to have enough consistent work mm -hmm. that covers not just your living expenses, but whatever it is you have to pay to have that business. That's how you actually get to an income that is viable for a freelance creator. And there's a there've been a lot of stories over the years that people who are making comics cannot survive mm -hmm. on the income that they get purely from comics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so they don't, I mean, if you're talking because the average cost of living in mm -hmm. the United States is around 
55 to 60,000. Mm-hmm. So if the average income, you know, 36 to 40, yeah. the average yes. cost is 55 to 60, mm-hmm. it's a problem. Yes. Because I remember you mentioned um, during the um, word balloon interview that, you know, some of these creators, it's either, you know, they usually have the spouse that either kind of support, has that foot, has a full time job that supports, yeah. you know, their loved one to literally follow their dream. They'll, it still brings in money, but not enough to survive. Mm-hmm. And also, too, the other thing, too, is that um, if someone pays um, a freelancer up front, like here, you know, I'm going to pay you this much, but that's it. But there's also no, um, there's no other benefits like health care coverage, mm-hmm. right? So it's you. In most cases, you as a freelancer. Now, this is this applies to freelancers in any industry. It's not necessarily jumps, mm-hmm. but as a freelancer, you have to set aside money to cover your health care, mm-hmm. money to cover your if there's no 401k, so you've got yes. to set up a SEEP account or you've got to do something else for your long-term, you know, survival. There's no worker's compensation if you're injured. Um, <clears throat> there is no unemployment insurance if you are unemployed. So part of the money that you bring in has to go not only to paying your current bills, but in an ideal situation, you're setting aside money for all of these different things that have to be paid for, including your taxes. Yes. Because as a freelancer, the, the client pays you. It is your job to handle your taxes. So mm-hmm. all of these, this is another thing that it makes it very difficult to have a full-time career as a freelance comic book artist mm-hmm. because the things that are actually built into the system of being a full-time employee do not exist for a freelancer. But again, that's not specific to comics. That's freelancing as a general rule in America. Okay. All right. Um, oh, thank, thank you for explaining that. Thank you very much. Um, I want to touch up a little bit about the format of the, um, of the book. Now, mm-hmm. Again, as I mentioned to you before we started the interview, um, the business of the independent comic book publishing, I love the format, you know, mm-hmm. where the information in each chapter, you know, is short, it's concise, mm-hmm. it's easy to follow, you know, um, and you also provide examples and footnotes, and I love that. That is great. Um, you know, will this book have the same format? Yeah, I realized early on because... A lot of people, a lot of comic creators that I encounter, I get the sense that they see talking to someone like me kind of like going to the dentist. Mm -hmm. They know they should go to the dentist. They don't really want to go. Yeah. So I set it up so that, and because a lot of comic book creators, they do not necessarily, a lot of them are artists. Yes. A lot of them don't necessarily have a business or legal background. Mm -hmm. I set up the book in a way that it was structured to go from beginning of the process to the end of the process. And at each different point, explain exactly what is going on, define every word that I'm using. So you're, if you don't know what the word means, you don't have to pretend you know. Yes. I will explain it to you. And then walk through the process, you know, and I structured it in a question and answers kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So if a person, the first book was like 450 pages long, mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily have to read it the entire way through. At any point in your career, if you have a question, you just look in the book, find the question, and it will give you the answer to that question. You could read more of the material around that question if you wanted more context, or not. You can go back to making comments. Mm-hmm. If you need to know, okay, how do what elements do I need to put into my website to make sure that I actually attract the right clients? Mm-hmm. And I, I list them. Okay, these are the things you need yes. to put in your website. And a lot you mentioned the footnotes. I think it's very important that people get a to for them to know 
where my information is coming from. Yes. And on, there's very few, a lot of the benefits of this these books is that I'm pulling in information that is widely available, scattered across like the internet and books, mm -hmm. interviews and things like that, that if you actually spent two and a half years putting it all together, you would have it all in the same place. I kind of help you skip that step. Mm -hmm. If you want more information of where I get all of my sources from, all of the footnotes are there. All of the links are there. Yes. There's a yeah. long list of books at the end that I refer to because they informed what it is that I was writing. There are some, there are some theories and there are some tactics and there are some concepts that are original to me, but the vast majority of the book is not. The vast mm -hmm. majority of the book pulls together kind of shared knowledge about different aspects of mm -hmm. comics, law, business, mm -hmm. and the overall industry so that you have it all in one place in a way that's the most helpful. All right. Come on, I'm going to start slowly wrapping things up. Now, I know we've already, you know, spoke, you know, we spoke about, you know, you touched up about the reality of the comic book industry for freelancers, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, but I'm, I'm just going to ask, what are some of the positive and fun side, the fun side of being a freelancer? You know, because I don't want this to be like, oh my God, this is, it, it sounds, you know, all dreary, but, but there's gotta be a little bit of a fun side, a bright side to it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of upside to being a free. Well, first there's a lot of upside to being a freelancer. Mm -hmm. Let's just put that out there. Okay. Because you make your own schedule, you decide mm -hmm. where you want to work, you decide what it is you're going to charge, you decide how you're going to work. I mentioned before that comic books is a geographically dispersed medium. Yes. Which means if you decided, hey, for two months, I'm just going to go to Thailand and I'm going to yeah. work because yeah. it's awesome. No one can tell you no. As mm -hmm. long as your work gets done and you do what you need to do, it's awesome, mm -hmm. right? And the food is fantastic. So <laughs> what's the downside? The other upside is that you get to work with the characters and the stories that you may have grown up and loved mm -hmm. ever since you were a child. I mentioned yeah. before things like X-Men and Batman mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. You could be not only working with that material, but you could help reshape how those characters are perceived. And these are some of the most popular characters in mm -hmm. culture itself. Yes. I mean, the only people that are more well-known than Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are like Jesus, Buddha, mm -hmm. and like, oh, that's it. Yeah. Or maybe Beyonce. Okay. So <laughs> but everybody else, people know Superman more. Yeah. So you get, you can work in those, in those medium and you can actually be part of a very rich tradition of building up these characters. You also get working with comic book people is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get to, you're making comics. Comics yeah. are cool. It's an awesome job. Mm -hmm. You get to go to conventions. Yes. You get to hang out with people. Mm -hmm. You get to, you get as part of your job reading comics. Yeah. And people say, hey, what are you doing? You got a big stack of comics. I see you. I'm working. Yeah. So leave me alone. Mm -hmm. I'm doing my job, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of upside to working in comics. Mm -hmm. as And the vast majority of people who are in comics are in comics because they love comics. Yes. Which is why I think it's very important to kind of balance that love of the medium mm -hmm. with an understanding of how the industry works. Yes. And you can go, you could actually enjoy comics more because you're not stressed out about not understanding. You're yes. not stressed necessarily stressed out about the money. You're not necessarily stressed out about how do I hit my deadlines? How do mm -hmm. I work with people who are scattered all over the world? How do mm -hmm. I do this, that, and the third? The book will actually give you that kind of that kind of shield, that kind of safety net. Mm -hmm. So you can actually focus more on doing the parts of comics that you enjoy. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot to enjoy. Oh. All right. No, that's great. Um, can I ask, what are some of the tier levels for the Kickstarter? 
Okay, the Kickstarter is actually there's basically three kinds of tiers. Mm-hmm. You can get the the new book, the business of freelance comic book publishing in print mm-hmm. or in digital or in both. Mm-hmm. You could get um the first book, the business of independent comic book publishing, and the business of independent mm-hmm. freelance comic book publishing. You can get both of them in digital mm-hmm. and in print or both. Mm-hmm. There also there's school that there's a school that I run called Comics Connection that um we help build up um business models for anyone who wants to be in comics and if you join at the higher tier levels you get two months free for the membership for those organizations mm-hmm. along with the print and the digital book. Mm-hmm. I'm being serious, you know the um, paperback edition you know, um, for the business of freelance comic book publishing, you know, listeners, um, it's a very good price. Um, I checked out the website last night, uh, the Kickstarter um, page last night is $25. Um, but please note, it's all, if it's a physical copy, it's only going to be shipped in the un, in, in the U.S., but the digital editions, of course, will be shipped anywhere in the world. Um, Gamal, you know, was it very important to keep the book at a reasonable price? Because I think $25, like, wow, that's great, you know? Well, the the idea, and it's something that I think has been very important in the entire time that I have worked in comics, is that when, I, when I'm practicing law and someone comes to me and need help for their comic book company and they need a lawyer, if I charge what a lawyer usually charges, mm-hmm. they won't be able to afford it which mm-hmm. means they won't be either a they won't have a comic book company because mm-hmm. they'll pay me and they won't have money to put out the comic or b they'll put out the comic without actually having the legal protection they need mm. so what i do is i make sure that when i charge my clients it's something that comic book creators mm-hmm. especially people who are trying to work for themselves or build their own companies something that they can afford mm-hmm. the same idea goes into pricing the book Yes. I don't want a price of I don't want to make the book eighty dollars. Yeah. Because then the people who really need it won't buy it, mm-hmm. which defeats the whole purpose of the book. Mm-hmm. The more people who are actually able to read it, the more people who can actually apply what's in the book to their careers, mm-hmm. which means there'll be more comics and there'll probably be better comics. Mm-hmm. And since I like reading comics, all yes. of this comes back to helping me. Yes. More people who are out there who can mm-hmm. have successful careers in comics, the more comics I can read, everybody mm-hmm. wins. Um, this is off the cuff. I'm going to point this out because when I read um, the Kickstarter portion of the business of comic uh, independent comic book publishing, there's a section in there about the Kickstarter. And I, I forgot who you spoke to, but she gave the breakdown of, this is what successful Kickstarters look like. This is what the average. And I remember, I think one of the the pros of it was like they were looking at. I think um, for Kickstarters, like usually they what the studies that they found was that people spend like either between twenty five and thirty five dollars. You know that you know in the Kickstarter. So I was kind of going, oh, so I'm kind of going. I wonder. I I just thought that was pretty cool that you you saw that too as well. Yeah, the the when we were doing the analysis of Kickstarter, we actually talked to the person at the time yes. who was the comic book industry liaison at Kickstarter, and she broke down the analytics and the numbers. And one of the key numbers was the average amount that a backer will spend on Kickstarter is twenty five dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, for comics, this is actually a very good number. Mm-hmm. Because $25, especially if you're talking about a book that may be 60 pages, pages, mm-hmm. is considerably more than what you're going to be able to sell that book for in a bookstore, or a mm-hmm. comic book shop. So the fact that you could sell, you could actually sell your book at a higher price before it comes out in other distribution channels is actually very helpful. Mm-hmm. For my purposes, $25 is enough so that if people back it at that level and i send them the print edition of the book 
I make a few dollars. It's not so high that they feel like, you know, it was a big ask for them to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So what I try to do a lot of times in the when I'm running my own business, because this this whole thing in the at the end of the day is a business, is yes. a, the same concepts that I put in the books to my own work. Mm -hmm. like, okay, if I'm telling people the best price to put something is $25 mm -hmm. and for me to run a Kickstarter, well, okay, then make it $25. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, in, you, in the business of independent comic book publishing, the dedication page, um, part of the dedication was to someone named Gina. May I ask mm -hmm. who is Gina? Yeah. Gina is my partner. We have been together ooh, since 2016. Mm -hmm. so it's like more than seven years now. She mm -hmm. is a um, jazz musician and a um, nice. therapist, mm -hmm. uh, music therapist for mm -hmm. um, And during the time that I was writing the book, mm -hmm. especially during the end, that was during COVID. Mm -hmm. So she gave me a lot of support and a lot of space to kind of make sure that I could focus on writing the book and getting the whole Kickstarter done, all of those other things, which That's is nice. why I dedicated the book to her. Mm -hmm. Now for this book, the business of freelance comic book publishing, um, do you, is there anyone that you dedicated that book, you know, this book to, or I, I am probably going to dedicate this book to the comics connection community, that online group mm -hmm. that I talked about, because those the people who actually join that organization are, number one, very, they, like most comic book creators, love the comic book medium, yes. but they are all very committed, not just to their own comic book company and the own, their comics that they're creating, mm -hmm. but they are very dedicated to actually helping each other mm -hmm. kind of connect and make sure that, oh, if this person needs advice on something, everybody will like kind of jump in to support them. If that mm -hmm. person is promoting a Kickstarter, they all want to back it. Mm -hmm. When conventions happen, they all get together and meet up. And so it's a, it is a very, it is a very good extension of what I have found a lot in the comic book community of people wanting to mm -hmm. help everybody help each other succeed. Yes. So that is going to be the group that I dedicate the next book to. That's going to be nice. A um, couple more questions. Um, are you planning to write another book about the comic book industry? Because, I mean, usually things come out in threes. Yes. Okay. Um, it all depends on how the business of freelance comic book publishing goes. But um, I know the next book will probably be a book called The Practice of Comic Book Law. Oh, okay. which is going to be a much more, it's going to be a book for a much more specific audience mm -hmm. because about 10 or 12 times a year, um, individual law school students or law schools will contact me and ask me to come in and talk about, you know, how did I become a comic book lawyer? What is it like to practice comic book law? Mm -hmm. How do I get into this field? Mm -hmm. Because every lawyer sooner or later has to decide what they're going to specialize in. Mm -hmm. The ones who love comics, they think, hey, comic book law sounds like a good idea. Mm -hmm. So I usually kind of explain what it is that I do and how the business works one-on-one. -on -one, but I realized that, I mean, I'm 53 now. Mm -hmm. I can't keep doing this forever. Yes. At a certain point, I'm going to stop practicing yeah. comic book law. And I would like the generation that comes after to not have to reinvent the wheel and figure out everything all over mm -hmm. again. So I'm going to write this book to actually help them understand how to go, how to establish themselves in the industry, mm -hmm. how to find clients, how to kind of protect their clients from all the things that could actually happen to them in yes. And it may not be a huge group of people. I mean, it every year there may only be, like I said, 10 or 12 people who buy this book, mm -hmm. but 10 or 12 people over the years, yeah. then there'll be a lot more 
there'll be a lot more attorneys in the industry who can actually help comic creators. Yes. Which I think will be useful long term. Yes. So that's the plan for the next. Oh, okay. All right. No, thank you very much for sharing that. All right. Fun questions. What was your favorite convention moment? My favorite convention moment. Whether as a fan or, you know, if you went to a convention to present, you know, do a panel or you had a booth, either, you know. Um, I want to say my favorite convention moment was probably 2020 when I went to, I think it was Emerald City or something. Mm -hmm. And I was walking through like, I was walking the show floor and I saw Carl Potts. And this is probably like the second or third time that I had met him. Mm-hmm. And he remembered who I was. Ah, it's nice. That it doesn't, it doesn't actually get better. If you think, okay, this was a 10 year old kid who first realized the power of independent comics and the power of like narratives moving from one medium to the next. And this whole kind of, paradigm shift and the person who actually helped spark that knows who you are Mm -hmm. how how cool is that That is so cool that is awesome have you and your family been to hawaii no we have not been the farthest i believe i've got is san diego okay (laughs) any closing words to our listeners closing words i would say is that it is very important if you want to be in the comic book industry to hold on to your love of comics, because that's probably why you jumped into the stream. Mm-hmm. But no matter what type of comics you decide to make, whether you want to be independent or you want mm-hmm. to make freelance comics or create your own comics, or you want to jump from one to the next, depending on what project it is, mm-hmm. all of that is fine. Simply understand, balance your love for comics with an understanding of how the business works And you will be able to love comics more because you will not have to learn through trial and error and pain and heartache and anything like that, how the business works. If you understand how it works, Mm -hmm. you can go in with your eyes open and make any deal you want for any comic you want, as long as you are willing to, you know, get that understanding and then use that to focus your love of comics into the career that you want to have. That's the perfect ending. Gamal, mahalo. That's thank you in Hawaii. Thank you for your time. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you. I wish you all the success, you know, with the business of freelance comic book publishing. You know, um, again, I want to give um, David and Hannah of Superfan Promotions, you know, David and Hannah, thank you very much for asking Comics for Fun and Profit to interview Gamal and help setting up this interview Now, if you are a new comic book reader who has dreams of working in the industry, or if you're a lifelong comic book reader who just loves to read, you know, these inside baseball books, you know, please check out the business of freelance comic book publishing. The campaign is live and will end on October 19th. Um, And Gamal, I'm being serious on this. Now, listeners, if you know someone who loves, um, who dreams of working um, in comic books in the comic book industry please consider backing this kickstarter and giving this book as either as a birthday gift or christmas gift you know to someone that you know that wants to break into the comic book industry because as far as and like as gamal has mentioned you know we there's we've seen books of how to draw super how to draw figures how to write a story but it's never about in the the um you know, it's never, we, it, there's never a book about like the, um, the business side, you know, of the comic book industry, you know, and um, hopefully this will give them some insights and guidance on how the comic book industry works. And it's like, as Gamal says, you know, um, you know, if they have an idea of how the comic book industry works, this will, you know, help them also um, love the comics, um, the dream of working in comic books, hopefully that helps them, you know, um, deep in their love for comic books. I want to thank Drew of the Coast of Comics for Fun and Profit for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. 
Until next time, guys. Aloha. Our LCS is Cowabunga Comics, Lake Country's Wisconsin's best pop culture destination for new comics, back issues, gaming, retro video games, vinyl, and figures. Give them a call, 262-569-9999. Check them out online at cowabungacomics.com or follow them on Twitter at Incredicow. Um, they are our LCS and we utilize their deep discount mail order service to bring Oconomowoc, Wisconsin closer to us. They'll take care of you. Tell them Drew and Kyle sent you. Say hi to Eric and James from us. If you need an LCS, you can't go wrong with Cowabunga Comics.